This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a topic that's talked about from time to time, and maybe we need a greater understanding of it post traumatic stress disorder. I want to speak to a gentleman called Lee Hard. Lee, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Uh, Lee, a very interesting background for a young man. You're 31, originally from Bangor. Uh, Your dad was in the RUC. Uh, You've served in the army. You've been in Afghanistan. And you're now an officer with the Greater Manchester uh, Police Service. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, Lee, um, you've had some harrowing experiences through your life and you really want to, I think, as part of this conversation, thank a a charity called Rock to Recovery. But with regards to what you've been through, uh, let me begin with being the child of an RUC officer. You were very aware of of a dad who, who looked over his shoulder, who looked under his car. Uh, yes, of course, yeah. So growing up, you know, we were a very security conscious family. Um, certainly, you know, wasn't unusual to see my dad checking under the car before he took me to school in the morning. Um, at the time, obviously as a child, that, that did feel normal, but it's only now with hindsight, now that I'm an adult, to look back and I, can, I, can't, I can't even begin to imagine what my dad must have been feeling at that time. But yeah, it was, um, it, it, it was quite a difficult difficult childhood in, in that respect yeah definitely sadly a couple of years ago your dad died quite suddenly from natural causes yeah that's right yeah my dad was only um 54 when he passed away unfortunately and um, he had a long career in the police uh, and again looking back with you know fresh eyes and what i've learned over the years through my own sort of struggles that you know my, my father probably did have mental health difficulties himself that perhaps wasn't recognised or understood at the time. Um, so that's really why I'm, I'm trying to talk a little bit more about mental health. It is a subject that you know, I'm incredibly passionate about and I um, just want to try and get a bit of a, a message out there just to break this, this stigma down and, and get talking about it. Yeah, post-traumatic stress disorder so relevant to people here in Northern Ireland who've been through so much from whichever uh, angle they would have been caught in an atrocity or a harrowing experience. And you've been through a few experiences. Uh, First of all, as a medic in the military, you, you... 
went to the assistance of, of people in, in dire circumstances? I did, yeah. Um, so I was, a, I was a trauma medic, so essentially a frontline medic. I was out there with an infantry section and you know, we were engaging with the Taliban on a near daily basis. Um, so yeah, the, the medical emergencies that I had to deal with ranged from everything from you know your your sprained ankles right up to you know severe blast injuries from from explosive devices. So I had my you know I had my fair share of sort of complex casualties that I had to deal with out there. But you know it was it, it's a totally different world out there. You know you're living you're living life at a very different pace. And um, you know at the time I don't think. I didn't notice any any sort of cracks or anything in my uh, in my armor, my mental armor, as such at the time, because you, you're just so busy, you've got to get on with it. And, and like you said, PTSD is it's one of those conditions that's often heard, but it's it's rarely understood, I think. And um, you know, I can even say, looking back, that I didn't really understand it and didn't didn't think that I would ever be sort of susceptible to it, but but I was. And when it, when a friend in the army is lying injured as a result of an explosion going off or a mine that he may have stood on how do you how do you cope at that point in time when you're so close to it and you're called to help and this person has life-changing and very possibly life-taking injuries but they're 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 life-changing the people you know survived but with serious serious Mm. wounds how how do you cope with that yeah so there was one occasion where we were conducting an operation in helmand in in a province called Madi alley and uh, there was a guy that was we were essentially walking in a straight line and he was three people in front of me and he unfortunately stepped on a what we would call a pressure plate ied which Subsequently, he lost both his legs beneath the knee. Um, so at the time, yeah, you don't really, you don't really have time to sort of process that. In that respect, you've got to really just, you've got to just kick into action, really. And I think it's testament to our training in the in the forces at that stage, especially in the in the healthcare um, section of it, that you just you just kind of go into autopilot. So I think that's. How the brain works is, is fascinating because you're, you're having to take on a lot of information very, very quickly. So, and I think that's what adds into into everyday life with PTSD is you kind of numb yourself to that emotion. You don't you don't look at it as as a friend that's you know a, you know potentially going to die. You just look at it as I've got a there's a process I have to follow here. I've got to stem this bleeding. I've got to secure his airway. And you kind of just go through the through the motions. But it's when that emotional numbing starts to creep into your, your everyday life, then you know that, you know, you need to talk to somebody. And this, of course, eventually began to take hold of you because you moved from the military to the police in England. You're part of the Greater Manchester uh, Police Service and you're on duty in the city the night of the Manchester mm-hmm. Arena bomb. You're one of the first officers on on the scene. That led to harrowing experiences for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, yeah, I was on duty that night um, of the attack. And I think, you know, when we were at the inquest and different things, it was determined that I arrived at I arrived at the scene approximately nine minutes after the blast. So when I got there, it was still very much a chaotic scene. There were still people inside the arena trying to get out. So it was, um, you know, it was, it's an incredibly distressing memory um, 
to, to go back to. But yeah, that 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 is definitely the most complex and, and you know serious incident that I've ever had to deal with. And the images that I've seen that night will will stay with me forever. But it's now you know with the help that I'm getting through doctor recovery and my my doctor and i'm starting to reframe those memories in a, in a different way but um but yeah it was it was incredibly troublesome to troublesome to see that i, I don't want to ask you too much about what you saw but we know that mm. many people died and many people were were mutilated and so many of them were so young to, to be a police officer to be an emergency responder from from uh, any source uh, coming to that or mm. indeed to be a civilian who'd, who'd be helping i simply don't know how you cope with that yeah, and I don't know either, to be honest. It, you know, I don't. There's, there's certainly no bl- blueprint on how to how to deal with something like that. Obviously, in the police, we do train for major incidents, but you know, this was a this was a level above what anybody could comprehend. But um, yeah, for me, it was it was very much. I was seeing injuries on on predominantly young female um, concert goers uh, that were consistent with injuries that I had maybe seen in Afghanistan. Uh, so the the entire context of it just did not did not compute in my head. You know, I'm seeing people with shrapnel wounds and, and you know, severely sort of injured limbs, but but they're sitting outside of McDonald's in the arena, you know, and it was just, it's hard to sort of, you do, you do have a bit of a rabbit in the headlights moment. But again, probably testament to our training is you don't really have time to worry about yourself in that sense. You kind of just have, you kind of just go with the, the flow, it's almost like the tide coming up onto a beach. You kind of just get caught up in it and you just, before you know it, you're, you know, I remember doing chest compressions on a, on a young lady and yeah, it's you kind of just, it's a bit of an out-of-body experience. You kind of just, you kind of just go through the motions of it, but definitely, um, definitely something that was the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with. So, after seeing all that you saw that night and hearing the, mm. the screaming children and indeed the, the pandemonium and the worry and the concern of the, the older people arriving to find th- their children in such a state of distress. It began to take its toll and you, you had to step back from the, the police service. I, I think you're back working now in, in a desk in, environment, but it did, yeah. it did take a serious toll on, on your mental health, all of, the, all of these experiences. I think it did, yeah. I think, well, I know it did. The um, the arena was was very much the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Um, in the in the days and weeks that sort of followed the arena, we were put on very long hours in the police, where we had to obviously manage different crime scenes throughout the city. And you know, we were we were working quite long and draining hours, so I became very run down physically, um, which is what I think I kind of tricked myself into believing that. You know, my issue is that I'm just tired. I wouldn't accept that I was, you know, starting to have PTSD symptoms. Um, but yeah, that went on for a number of months up until mm-hmm. a day where I just, I just couldn't go into work. I couldn't put on the uniform. Um, I had a bit of a, bit of a panic attack, I suppose you could call it, where I just couldn't face the public. I had a overwhelming urge to be on my own, and that kind of led me into, you know, seeking help and, and going to and speaking to a doctor who then subsequently referred me into like psychiatrists and and that's really you know how I got diagnosed with PTSD 
Um, and then I was put on restricted duties on the police uh, straight away, which was quite, at the time, I I didn't admit to any of my colleagues why I was unrestricted. I actually just told them I had injured my leg, which I'm quite ashamed to say looking back because I did kind of buy into the stigma of um, of mental health or mental ill health. So that's uh, that's how I ended up sort of working in a in a non frontline role. And your sympathy obviously would be with people who've been through similar experiences: the paramedics, the fire officers, mm-hmm. the police officers people in uniform, civilians who would be assisting, those who would have been through trauma all down the decades here in Northern Ireland and who are suffering as a result but have never really been offered or found any assistance or help. Mm. Yeah, and absolutely, that's exactly where my sympathies go. Um, And just to to touch on a point that I said a minute ago... um, I did buy into that stigma as much as people say that there isn't, you know, there still is. And PTSD can, I think, you know, I'm not an expert, but I think it has the possibility to manifest itself in in any one of us. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, you don't necessarily have to see the the type of traumas that I've seen. You know, PTSD can can come out with anything that you're not emotionally sort of ready to deal with. So I don't want anybody to think, well, I, I can't have it because, you know, I, I haven't been to a war zone, but it, it doesn't work like that. So my message to these people would be that things started to get better for me the second I was honest with my feelings and honest with, you know, my loved ones and my colleagues. And when I actually just took that first step and said, look, the reason I'm on restricted duties is because I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and almost... Instantly, you know, I, I felt a, a huge weight off me. Um, a support network almost appeared overnight. You know, I had people coming up to me saying, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I had, you know, I was diagnosed with depression last year. I had anxiety. I, my wife had postnatal depression. All of a sudden, all these people started telling me their, their stories. And I realized that it was not a taboo subject. And it's, it's no different, really, than if we break our arm or hurt our leg. You know, it's, it is... It is essentially an injury, and it's an injury that we can we can recover from. And it, it, the best thing I've ever done is just talking about it. So that's really just what I'm trying to get across to people. And those who would have the mindset of you join an emergency team, the police, the army, the fire service, the paramedics, you know what you're letting yourself in for. You've got to man up and be able to cope with the stresses. That, that, that's old hat. If, if, they have that, if they have that attitude, they're, they're, they're fooling themselves, these people. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. I think um, people still, you know, look at the, the emergency services, you know, that it, it's still a very, I don't want to say, you know, like a, like a macho type you know, environment where you have to be super resilient to stress. You have to be able to deal with anything that, you know, the job throws at you. And that's simply not true. You know, that that is very much an urban myth. You know, everybody in the emergency services are human. You know, they all, you know, they have the same type of lives that anybody else would have. You know, they, they go home and they have mortgages to pay and, you know, shopping to do and bills to, to sort out. So, you know, anybody can, can, can have you know, a mental health issue, uh, you know, that's not, that, you know, that doesn't negate, you know, the the emergency services, you know, they do have a, have a tough time. So 
yeah, you can't you can't buy into that. You've got to be honest with yourself, and you would be surprised at just how how lovely people can be when you actually do open up and open yourself up to help. I mentioned at the very beginning, Rock to Recovery. What exactly is that charity? Yeah, so Rock to Recovery is um, at the minute it's it's a charity uh, predominantly for veterans of the armed forces, um, but I do believe they are looking to sort of branch out into the emergency services and then beyond. Hopefully, it is still quite a new charity. Um, what they do, what I find is really really good, is all of their therapists and counsellors are people that have real lived experience of mental health difficulties themselves. These are people who have sort of been there and done it, you know, they've, they've, they've come through the other side and now they're seeking to help other people so they can empathise on a, on a level like, you know, I've never experienced before. So they've been really good with me and they offer, obviously, one-to-one support and things. But at the minute it is focused towards armed forces veterans and emergency services but yeah they they are they're doing fantastic work and if you're not getting help and you feel you deserve help and you need help you've got to be courageous enough to talk to your gp to talk yeah. to those who are in a position to steer you in the right direction and be willing to admit that I'm just feel, I'm just feeling less well than I should feel. It's it's sometimes mm-hmm. a, hard, a difficult admission for a man or woman who've who's been very strong through life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you put a lot of unnecessary pressure on yourself um, that you know they're not going to take it serious. I'll come grand. I'll be okay. A, a cup of tea will sort of out, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't work like that. Um, second you take that step you'll notice something changes in your head and for me like just talking about my memories and like my issues really helps and when you just have traumatic memories or stressful thoughts just whirling around your head it becomes a bit of a hurricane in your head and you attach different meanings to it and it's just a vicious cycle but by actually having to talk and articulate it you reframe those memories in a different way and, it, and you start to attach different meaning to them and you start to look at them with a different, you know, a different set of eyes as such. So by just talking, you know, you can really help. You know, it doesn't, you know, your first port of call should always be your GP. Just just go and, you know, just have a chat with them and, and see what they say. But, you know, you'll never be turned away, you know, and, and people, there's so many people out there that do want to help. Um, and even just talking to your friends and your loved ones, you know, it's cliche as it sounds, it can it can help just to sit and have a bit of a chat with someone that you're, you know, you're comfortable with. Absolutely. Are you back and forward to Bangor much or is life basically <laughs> working in Manchester and being over there all the time? Uh, no, no, we did. We try to get back as much as we can. Um, I'm coming back actually in a couple of weeks time. Um, so yeah, no, we're back, you know, back and forth as much as much as we can yeah good stuff well listen a a continued journey to recovery and uh, thank you very much for telling us your your story Lee you've been through a lot for a a young man uh, and through an incredible uh, amount as indeed other people have and you're very aware of the others that you've been speaking about thanks for coming on Lee thank you no problem no problem that is a Lee Hard uh, an amazing story He's, he's 31 hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.